Oh, hi. I'm Dr. K. Mastrocola, physical therapist and mental health meme maker. I've spent the past 10 years navigating life with mental illness, and I've found a lot of survival guides out there, but none that talk about what happens next. No one is talking about that radical space between surviving and thriving. So I created this podcast as a way to embrace the awkward in pursuit of finding what success truly means. Thanks for coming along too. This is The Thrive Guide. You guys, welcome back to The Thrive Guide podcast. I'm your host, Dr. K. Mastercola, better known on the internet as DPTs of Anxiety. And I'm really excited to kind of be back in my little office recording studio talking to you all. And I don't know, I'm kind of like up in the air. So I took a little bit of a hiatus, which we'll get into more in this episode. But I'm like, do I do I call this season two? Do I like just do a continuation running of things? I don't know. I'm back. I have purple hair now. And so I feel like this is like a new season of me. So we'll just call it a new season of Thrive Guide. Uh, so thanks for sticking with me. And guys, I am so excited to talk about today's topic. And it's something that is buzzing around everybody's brains. Honestly, since the pandemic broke out, it's kind of been this like big buzzword. And I'm honestly surprised it's not like Webster's Dictionary word of the year for the past three years, because especially in the world of healthcare, the one word that kind of keeps coming up is burnout. And everybody is like, oh my gosh, like, how do I protect myself? How do I protect against burnout, protect my people, protect my peace? And and I, I was, am one of those people you know, I'm always kind of looking out for like self-salvation, any moments I can, preserving joy, preserving self-joy. But truly and honestly, in like the past couple of months, I've really thought and gone through a lot of therapy about this topic of burnout. And I've come to realize that burnout is inevitable, especially in, in the field of healthcare. You know, it's it's such a such a novel concept. And before before you guys are like, oh, how is she saying this? Like, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I feel like for the most creative things to happen, we always need to take a step back and and look at the things that we were doing and see how can we do this better. And the best way to do that is to take a clear head. And so, you know, I, I was talking with my therapist about it, and, and we brought up when I was in uh, math class. And so I have dyscalculia, so it's like dyslexia, both numbers, um, very common for people with ADHD to, to have that. And I remember kind of sitting and just being so frustrated in like calculus and pre-calculus and figuring out like, okay, like, why is this important to me? And I, I didn't have that level of importance to it. And so what I would had a more clear headspace to kind of be like, okay, I don't understand this problem. And what did my mom, what did my teachers tell me to do? Pause and come back to it. Because if you keep staring at it, then it's not going to change. And somehow we get into the real world and kind of forget that lesson, especially when it's something that we care about. And I honestly think like that's the perfect recipe for burnout. It's like we never do have a, a chance to step back from it because we're so passionate about it and because we're it's all consuming of our brain at all times you know when it's something that you love you just want all of it especially with ADHD and kind of that all or nothing mentality grad school is is a little bit more challenging because you're almost like encompassed on a timeline to have it all completed is the presumption again 
if I could go back and monetarily it was an option and stuff, I would have absolutely taken that extra year of PT school. But I think between my pride and my bank account, I, I pushed through to like much of my own detriment and much of my burnout, which really scared me for becoming a physical therapist. And so in saying all of this, it's like, hey, like, why the heck are you like saying that burnout's inevitable and like you want people to go through this? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I, I don't I, I don't wish burnout on anybody. Right. It's, it's a freaking horrible experience to be so void of passion for something that you once had to be so viscerally upset and drained and sleepless in a, in an ill pursuit of passion, you know, but I, I think the ways in which society is set up currently, it doesn't necessarily a lot for the complete eradication of burnout. And so that kind of brings me onto this bigger topic, right? Of it's like, we are so preoccupied right now in preventing burnout and protecting our people and giving pizza parties to boost morale um, and, and supporting people, but it's, it's fake, right? And all of the mantras and stuff out there on like preventing burnout, it's like, just read a book, have a bubble bath, and that'll cure your brain. And it's like, no, that that's not what cures burnout. Curing burnout is not a 40-hour week, work week, on top of responsibilities for healthcare, documenting outside of that 40 hours weeks, so if that's a position you're in. Uh, it's not your double-booked patients. It's not, you know, we're, we're, we're layering on this, this pseudo-care of to, to protect against burnout and saying that ultimately the responsibility of protecting burnout should actually be on the person themselves. They should be prioritizing themselves enough in a system that doesn't prioritize them. And that's where I think burnout is inevitable, right? Is that our systems aren't currently structured to be supportive of somebody who may be in a state of burnout. The fact that, you know, it's it's January when I'm recording this and healthcare deductibles just went back up, right? They just reset. So thankfully, again, I'm, I'm very lucky, but I'm also terrified to be turning 26 in June. And so I made the joke with my therapist and I was like, oh my God, like I have six months to fix my brain because my mom is in a union. She worked very hard for her insurance. She's in a very good place. And she set us all up. Her daughter's up for success in that sense. And I'm afraid to leave that cushion bubble where I know I'm about to go into a deductible plan that I can either choose to deduct from my monthly paycheck that's keeping me, you know, afloat, me and my partner, or pay out of pocket at a higher, like, deductible plan until I meet my out-of-pocket max for my therapist. So now I'm shoveling out $120, $130 a session. So am I blessed enough to be in a position where I can afford that? Yes, absolutely. And can I choose as a single person to that I don't really have other than, like, my golden retriever to take care of? Can I prioritize myself and my mental health with that money? Yes, I can. But that's also not a luxury that everybody has. You know, basic access to healthcare and mental health care is not a luxury that somebody has. And until those things are kind of talked about more, I don't think burnout can ever be something that is preventable, right? And so it's it's this like narrative to where people then start to feel guilty about burning out and then they hide their burnout even more and they 
just keep burning out and it's this this slow burn that just like almost hurts more than like a big bang and it's it hit me really hard um I'm gonna get candid for a little bit and kind of go into the why I took a little hiatus from the podcast for a while is because um the holidays came up and Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything was kind of busy and again it's deductible meeting season so the clinic was busy and but truly the the thing that made this year more challenging is that about 10 months ago I lost my dad um so my dad had spent a bifida for a while um for a while his whole life um and unfortunately went septic from an infection um that his body just had fought its fight and we allowed his his body to to be at peace and it's tough and it's challenging but I bring it up um now I don't want pity like I think that there's a lot of dignity and death that we can go into I, I have an undergraduate degree in healthcare ethics and that was what one of my like main thesis is on is like actually improving hospice care um but with that being said grief is not linear um especially when it's someone you've kind of been grieving for six seven years when they've been on more of that kind of steady decline uh and just knowing that that their body is ready and in healthcare I think we we see it and we're so also turned off to it a little bit we're just like oh that that's the process of a person that's you know every day little pieces of us are dying every day both emotionally and physically in cell death you know if you want to make a joke about it um but the thing that they don't I guess prepare you for uh is the the box right and and how the the box metaphor for grief is something that my psychiatrist had, had shared with me and they were like well grief is a button in a box and when the event first happens the box can feel very small and the button can feel very big and the button can press against the sides of the box and every time it does it presses against it like it's operation and it zaps you and eventually over time and the more love that gets filled and the more people that come into your lives you know that box grows and the box doesn't get shifted around as much things steady and stable down but eventually you know sometimes the box can get knocked over if you hear a song or smell a smell and hits that buzzer just the same and for me the the holidays felt like that buzzer was um or the box was always kind of a little bit ajar um, a little bit shifted and so my, my buzzer just kept being hit and being on more of this kind of like positive platform and and speaking truths and speaking honestly um, it was too raw and painful and I'm too prideful to kind of show um, more of that like vulnerable crying kind of state it's like I I do. I do suffer from a panic disorder, so I do cry often and I do have these things. But I also feel like there's there's time and space on on the internets for that. And um, I knew there would be no way that I, I could sit and do an episode like this that was so desperately needing to be said in that state that I was in. Um, so that was an experience of burnout for me, right, where everything kind of got too much too fast and it's inevitable 
you know, at some point, all of our parents are going to die. And it fucking sucks to say that. But you're going to burn out. You're going to lose the ability to focus on things because something else is going to take over for a minute. And we're just not in a world that allows and prioritizes for that. And can, can we talk about it? Can we normalize it? Can we normalize taking a break without having to apologize for it? Because honestly, I'm not sorry that I took five, six weeks. I don't even know. I didn't even count because I don't care. I care about this podcast. I care about you. I care about my voice, but I also care about being authentic. I'm not going to sell you crap. And I'm not going to sit here and talk about well, you can, you can prevent burnout and here's how I did it in these five ways. It's like, no, I sat down, had a cry, I did Christmas and I did the thing. And Christmas was great. Chris, like my mom, all amazing. Seeing my sisters, amazing. My family, amazing. My partner, amazing. Um, it was, but when it comes to like those other emotions, like the two can live together. And I, what, we don't talk about that enough of the two living together because there's also this heaviness too of sure I'm burning out, but I also have to keep living, right? You can't, you can't just as much as you want to lay down because it's not yet normalized enough to lay down um, and kind of accept that, that, and some people might need to lay down more than others and it's very, very hard to to find that balance in speaking your truth and unapologetically doing it while also recognizing your space and, and not being sure how long you can be in it for. Um, and that's why I say burnout is inevitable and on, on all sides of the spectrum. So let's kind of talk about positive burnout, right? Because growing up, you know, whether you're eating ice cream or playing outside or, you know, doing anything like there's that phrase, it's like too much of anything is not good. Too much of your favorite thing is not good. Like you're going to get tired of it. You're going to get sick of it. So if we are so wholeheartedly prepping and, and throwing ourselves into medicine, especially so passionate and fiery and then doing it every single week, 40 plus hours a week. And for a lot of PTs, it's 60, 70 because we're working PRN shifts to pay off our student loans. And that's too much of a good thing. That That's too much empathy. That's too much of, of giving and giving and giving. And it's the, there is a unequal shift in what you get back. And so there are, are there ways to prevent burnout? No. Are there ways to prolong the experience of burnout? No, I think that's the better question, right? It's like, because when we say things like, oh, how do we prevent burnout? There's room for failure there, right? When we say, oh, like we're going to, we're going to prevent, you know, it's like putting a tablecloth down. Like I'm going to prevent spills. I'm not going to prevent anything from ruining my table. And like, let's say something spills and you didn't realize and now it's soaked through the tablecloth and it still got on the table anyways. Like, you're going to feel like failure because you didn't prevent it even though you tried. And I think when we talk about preventing burnout and people still inevitably feel burnout because of things that are outside of their control, it can leave people feeling like they're failures for having normal human emotions. And that's what we kind of need to be talking about. 
And how do we first prolong the experience so people don't go through this as often? And then how do we support people when they're in it? And for how long should we? And all of those are, are huge ethical questions, especially the latter one, right? Because you talk about spoon theory and people with chronic illnesses, disabilities, things like that, like may experience that that fatigue and that burnout a lot faster because they have less to give and are still expected to have the same output as someone who might have more spoons. So that's a whole rabbit hole in and of which itself, but important to be said and to be thought about. And when I'm thinking of ways that I can prolong my burnout, it changes. It varies all the time. Right now, one of my favorite things that I'm loving and I'm prioritizing is movement. I'm I'm getting back more on my spin bike. I'm doing more yoga. But if I'm in a pot slayer and I'm having a month where I am just like very ill, like even standing up, sitting down, I really don't want to do that. So then I focus more of my energy on my side projects, on my business and making more stickers, doing things that I can do there and being a part of this, this process without a goal to allow myself more of that freedom to shift between things. And I think when you're giving people advice on how to prolong well, prolong their their peace, I don't want to say prolong burnout. That, that sounds weird. It sounds like you're like staying in that space. So I'm going to use the term prolong your peace. Um, when we're encouraging people to prolong their peace, we want to we wanna do a couple things. And we want to let them know that there are options outside of the standard. The ways in which they prolong their peace can change. And if anything, it almost needs to change. We, we as physical therapists talk about pain starting from chronic repetition of movements in a poor movement pattern, right? Posture is not the enemy, but repetitive movements in a certain pattern that it's your body's not expected or, or built for, yeah, that's when pain starts. So if I tell somebody that reading in a bubble bath is the cure-all to burnout, if I do that every single night, then do I get burnt out of that? And so we, we don't talk enough about, about giving the options to prolong peace, prioritizing little joys, prioritizing people, prioritizing not talking to people. Oh my God, there is nothing better. Like John Mulaney has the joke and it's like canceling plans is like heroin. Because who I was when I made those plans three weeks ago might not be who I am now. So surround yourself with people who understand that. And if they don't, then maybe they're not a part yet of prolonging your peace and how do you foster that conversation and then how do we have that conversation with parents and professors and employers and a lot of it starts too with you know pl planning breaks maybe that that's been something i've been working on a lot um in therapy so adhd is a uh, one of the actual like diagnostic criterias for ADHD is the question of it's like, do you feel like you are run by a motor? And never have I felt so personally victimized by a questionnaire <laughs> when I was taking that test as I did then. Um, but it's, it's, oh, how do I do this next thing? How do I do this next thing? And it's, it's, and for a lot of people with ADHD, the jumping of tasks is enough of a dopamine hit to keep you 
prolonging your peace, right? Because it's enough new stuff to matter. And how do we start bringing new stuff into our jobs? You know, maybe it's consuming more PT content, following amazing like fitness and influencers in in your field of of passion. So for me, it's pelvic floor, seeking their expertise and then utilizing that in our clinic. If we if every day is a little bit different, then it it gives us a little bit more joy to look forward to and and things to prolong our peace with. Um, and even with techniques of of prolonging your peace and and finding what you've enjoyed and trying things new, right? That and that's a challenge too. Is does does trying things new prolong your peace or does that overwhelm you? And if it sounds exciting, do it. If it and that's where people are like, oh, if it scares you, do it. And it's like, well, so within within boundaries, slow down, Nike. <laughs> um, and I think that there's no the hardest part about like these conversations about burnout is that there's no real answer, and I don't think anybody is is even close to finding it yet, because we're trying to treat burnout amongst the masses because everybody's experiencing it right now but we're not in in doing that we're losing the individual people and it all needs to be treated on an individual basis and there's just not enough resources there that encourage the individual person that to for them to feel supported it's like we can feel supported as a group but I'm still going to go home and have the same empty feelings and burnt feelings because my group's meet needs were attended to but not mine and some like some of that is on the the external parties right and some of that is is reflection of the person of what am I doing to protect my peace how am I advocating for myself and am I just in a position where the constraints are too much right now and I have to be okay taking a day to slow down or planning a break to slow down which that idea terrifies me and I still have not been able to to do that um maybe if I was a resolution person maybe I'd make that a resolution of (laughs) taking a PTO day to do nothing um but uh thought of that makes me violently ill right now so maybe I'll I'll hop back on next January and say that I did it but we'll see we'll see where we go (laughs) um but where I'm going with all of this is I want you to take away from this podcast episode the ways in which you can prolong your peace. And that needs to be a list of at least five things. So you have options. So you know how you as an individual can find joy in every day, can find joy in practices and in learning and in being a human being and it's not what any influencer says and it's not what any employer says it's not what any group says it is what you find joy in because again if you told me running cured my burnout congrats because I only run from my problems but I will kickbox for 45 minutes straight without losing a beat and that needs to be on my list and I have to know that when I look at this list, at sometimes 
I can always be like, oh my God, that is something that I enjoyed. Right. Let me get back to that. I have a friend and she's like getting super into reading. She's taking a break from a lot of things and just reading. And I'm like, that's so great for you. I, I physically can't sit after going to work right now. That doesn't feel like what I need. So I'm moving and, and supporting that and encouraging others to, to find more things that prolong our joy, protect our peace. I want you to have a list of five things where you can always revert back to and remind yourself of what brings you joy. And if you're listening to this podcast, like I challenge you, like write those things, manifest those things, put them on your Instagram story, tag me at DPTs with anxiety. And let's kind of like make the movement to stop trying to prevent burnout let's promote more joy let's prolong joy and also support in burnout and support our friends and support our people who might be experiencing things that just got too heavy too fast because honestly when it's like a math problem if things are getting too heavy too fast then i cannot see straight everything is stars and i need to step back and take a second to go back to it and then when i go back to it it's better. And so allowing yourself not feeling like a failure when you experience burnout, because it's a very human experience, it wouldn't be such a topic of conversation right now if n- nobody else was feeling burnout. We wouldn't have this word if these people were not feeling burnout. And so stop asking what needs to be done for the masses of people and ask more how can we start individualizing our care and improving that outcome. And Apply that to your patients too. Apply that to your friends too. You know, find and encourage them, ask them, and re-insure them. Is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> you guys know what I mean. Reinforce the idea that the space they're in is okay and there are resources and ways that they can find themselves out of it too and, and you can help them. Um, and sometimes it's just waiting out the storm. And it sucks. And it's a really uncomfortable place to be in. Um, I just lived it for two months. I don't know. Am I fully out of it? Will I ever be out of it? No, but I'm like more motivated to do, to be on a screen talking and to be making funny, goofy videos. It feels more authentic. So I'll take it while I can because right now making funny, goofy videos prolongs my joy and, and prolongs my peace and protects it. And I hope you guys come up with a list that protects and prolongs yours too. That is all I got to talk about today on the Thrive Guide podcast, but go out there and prolong your peace, protect your joy, and that's how you're going to thrive for longer. I'm Dr. K. Mastricola. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Thrive Guide presented on the PT Pinecast Network. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or a comment down below. It helps other people find us. You can check out links to everything mentioned in the show notes below. Thank you again and keep on thriving.